1: Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, you believe in big government? You still believe in big government? How about the media? You still think the media are a free press? I'll give you some headlines of clips that I have here. Bernie Sanders in Detroit today. Trump's coronavirus decisions are based on, just summarizing, protecting the wealthy, not science. Chuck Schumer on the floor today. Trump's coronavirus response was slipshod at best. John Brennan. On MSNBC, I doubt Trump is psychologically capable to put the country's well-being first. Al Sharpton, MSNBC, on The Morning Joe, we're in danger. Trump is callous, immoral, as sick as one can be. Scarborough, because of Trump administration's stupidity, coronavirus will kill Americans. Chuck Todd praises China for authoritarian ways that he claims prevented the <laughs> spread of the coronavirus. Of course, he's, he's wrong. Brian Stelter, CNN, Trump over uh, coronavirus handling. Maybe just stay on the golf course. Jake Tapper, Trump's lies are doing us harm. And it goes on and on and on. And they keep hyping it. They keep hyping it. We have 550 cases and 26 deaths. 550 cases and 26 deaths. Many more than that will die on our roads today. Many more than that. Many more people will die of the flu this year. And it's just, in the best interest of the media, to hype ratings. Some website- Have you looked at the homepage of the Drudge Report, Mr. Producer? Have you ever seen anything like that in your life? It puts the National Enquirer to shame. It really has changed. I hope it's under new ownership because I can't imagine my buddy Matt would be doing this. It just hypes everything. Hits, 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 hits. But it's in the best interests of MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post to just keep hyping this. I'm not saying don't report on it, but you need perspective. Some perspective It's incredible to me. We've had 26 deaths. There will be many more. As are with the flu. As are with the flu. And it's a virus. Something we're unfamiliar with. And all of our private labs and government-related entities are working on it. And it will be addressed and it will be solved at some point in one way or another. But I haven't seen this kind of reporting ever. Ever. It's shameless. And the politics of the media. The problem is, I'm going to be honest with you. You have news networks. And I wrote about it in Unfreedom of the Press. Where the newsrooms are really indistinguishable from the opinion providers. From the opinion providers. Is Brian Stelter a journalist? Or is he a left-wing hack? He's a left-wing hack, but he's dressed up as a journalist. Fredo Cuomo, dressed up as a journalist, used to work, I think, for ABC. He's a hack. Don Lemon is the hack of hacks. Jake Tapper, a Democrat hack. I could go on and on and on. Every one of these people. John Brennan is given voice. On MSNBC, a hack. Al Sharpton, for God's sakes. Joe Scarborough is a Trump hater. Chuck Todd is a Democrat. His wife's an active Democrat. Supporting Democrat candidates for office and causes. And Stelter, as I said, is a complete hack. Jake Tapper was a Democrat before he became a journalist. What does that tell you? So we get this mix of politics, this mix of ideology, this Trump-hating stuff... We can't get a straight story. And so if somebody comes out who's actually professional or an expert and says, you know what, please put these things in context, put them in perspective, they're said to be covering up. They are undermining our faith in government. They are undermining our faith in the media. It's deplorable. Now look at the stock market. The stock market's going south. Now, you know what I think? Maybe I'm perverse. You know what I think when the stock market's going south, Mr. Producer? Opportunity. Opportunity. I bought property in Florida. I won't get too deep on this. When the bottom fell out of the real estate market. I could afford what previously I couldn't afford. And now it's worth a significant amount of money. I don't think the market's hit bottom yet. But I have every intention of moving my investments around when I feel it's hit pretty close to bottom. I'm not giving you advice, I'm just giving you my opinion. I'm going to move some of my mutual funds and buy some groups of stocks or stocks in particular that I know are going to rebound and do just fine. Everything doesn't just go up. You know, we've had recessions, we've had bad recessions, we've been at a depression. This is none of that. This hasn't changed your economic life at all. The smart thing to do, the smart thing to do is if you're in your 40s, 50s, even 60s, just leave it alone. Don't even give it a thought. Don't even think about it. The financial experts, the serious ones, they'll tell you that. Let it go. It'll be fine. Two, three, four, five years hence. And if you've been in the market through a mutual fund, let's say through your pension, IRA, 401k, whatever you have, SEP, you've done extremely well the last 10 years. Okay, you're going to take a hit, maybe now. But you still have done extremely well over the last 10 years, and there's probably nothing else in which you could have done as well as you've done. It is funny. That the Democrats gave Trump no credit when the market was through the roof. That was Obama's stock market. And now that it's hit a wall, and by the way, doesn't mean the economy's tanking, doesn't mean any of these things. Now that it's hit a wall, it's his stock market. I just want you to keep a couple things in mind though. You'll recall when Bernie Sanders lost badly Super Tuesday. The market had the biggest increase in its history. So it's not the coronavirus in and of itself. You've been hearing today correctly that two of the biggest oil producers on the face of the earth were the biggest, but Saudi Arabia and Russia, yes, Russia, they had a nice little thing going there. The two of them had been colluding on prices, fixing prices. Well, that's all blown up. Now they're at each other's throats. So the price of oil is actually tanking. Now for the rest of us, that's a good thing. The price of energy goes down. The rest of the world, anyway. The price of production goes down, and so forth and so on. We are largely unaffected because we're energy independent now. But it will affect some of our energy companies. But as a consumer you're going to benefit from the prices. How many people have told you that? Very few, I suspect. But honestly, if you watch the news, the so-called news, when the economy does well, they trash the president. It has nothing to do with him. It's the rich getting rich, or Obama did it, or foreign activity did it. If the stock market takes a little hit, then, of course, it's all Trump and his incompetence and all the rest. If you're, you should be utterly and completely sick of this, and you should be disgusted with the irresponsible nature of the so-called media in this country when it comes to this virus. It's so out of control. To hear a Chuck Schumer, he's not media, of course, but it's one and the same, but to hear John Brennan giving a voice on MSNBC, what does John Brennan know about anything? Al Sharpton, for God's sakes, Joe Scarborough, Chuck Todd, Brian Stelter. They don't know anything. Meanwhile, I'm kind of summing up right now, but we're going to hit all these separately. Joe Biden. We now are being told, lectured, that Joe Biden's obvious mental decline, and I say that as somebody who believes in supporting people who have mental declines, and so it's no joke. But it's obvious, mental decline is not to be discussed. It's not fair. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Pre- President of the United States. We're talking about whether somebody actually has the mental capacity to be President of the United States. We've seen what's happened to this country when they haven't. The case of Woodrow Wilson. He had a terrible stroke. Was unable to function and his wife took over his duties. We've seen other examples of this. That's why we have a 25th Amendment. The left talks about the 25th Amendment. The media talk about the 25th Amendment. They don't even understand it. Joe Biden is a walking, talking, potential 25th Amendment. Now, the Democrat Party has decided it wants Joe Biden as its nominee. But we're not members of the Democrat Party. We're American citizens, first and foremost. And we truly have a right to know what his mental capacity is, or competency is. Because day in and day out, we're shown that he's not mentally capable of handling the presidency. I mean this in all seriousness. And I'm not going to be shut down, and nobody else should be shut down from raising this. This reminds me of you're not allowed to talk about candidate Barack Obama's ties to domestic terrorists. They're numerous, they're deep, but we're not allowed to discuss them. So only conservatives discussed it, but the rest of the media stayed away from it, pretty much. Hillary Clinton's lifelong career of lawlessness from Whitewater forward. Oh, we're not going to discuss that. Emails, all that. No, 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 no. We're not going to discuss that about Hillary Clinton. Oh, okay. Another candidate. You look at this guy, Sanders. Sanders has had a lifelong association with Marxism. Not democratic socialism, not socialism. Marxism. Marxism. You're not allowed to say it. Communism, Marx. No, 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 no. What's the Red Scare? And he's surrounded with anti-Semites. Oh, you can't talk about that. No, no, no. So that's off the table. And now when it comes to Biden, he's obviously deficient. There is simply no question about this. But we're not allowed to talk about that. Meanwhile, when it comes to President Trump, you can talk about whatever you want. His past, his marriages, his kids, his wife. His finances, whether he's mentally sound. Him you can talk about. Is he a Nazi, fascist? Is an anti-Semite? Is he a white nationalist? Anything. Throw whatever you want at Donald Trump. Perfectly fine. And I'm not talking about street rabble. I'm talking about journalist rabble. This is how Joe Scarborough makes a buck. This is what he is. He's a sleazeball. He surrounds himself... With reprobates, just like he and his significant other. Reprobates. This is what they do all morning. Al Sharpton passing judgment on anybody? This guy should be doing a long prison term, as far as I'm concerned. Just my opinion. Chuck Schumer, who's a sleazeball the way he talks about the Supreme Court, among others. John Brennan? I could go on and on, and I will when we return. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Lovin.
0: I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's l-e-v-i-n for hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. I want you to listen to this today from Nancy Pelosi. Cut twelve. Go. Uh, the, the
2: this election is a very important election. In my view, civilization as we know it is at stake. Uh, It is—it's about everything. All right,
0: let's just let's just stop a minute. Civilization as we know it is at stake. If Donald Trump wins, has he not been president for over three years now? Civilization is at stake. As we know it. It's about everything. Now ladies and gentlemen. It may be that Nancy Pelosi's career is at stake. It may be. That she desperately wants to cling on. To her speakership. But if Donald Trump is re-elected president of the United States. Civilization as we know it is not at stake. Now. Now. Here's the problem, and I'm going to say it, and I don't really care what all these left-wing Soros and billionaire-funded websites have to say. Look at the leadership of the Democrat Party. They're duking it out between a 78-year-old Marxist and a 77-year-old moron. Let's just be an idiot. Let's be honest. Their Speaker of the House is almost 80 years old. It's not an ageism thing with me. I'm just pointing out these are old leftists. Who are desperately trying to hold on to power. It reminds me of the Politburo the old Soviet Union. Where they were desperately trying to hold on to power. When you listen to or watch Donald Trump. He is a very young 73-year-old. Very young 73-year-old. Bernie Sanders is a very old 78-year-old. Joe Biden is a very old 77-year-old. Nancy Pelosi is, what is she? Check, check it out, Rich. I think she's 79 or something. She's a very old... 79, 80-year-old. And they sound it, and they act it. Civilization. She's what? 79. Almost 80. Almost 80. Look look how they have to hold on. Desperate to hold on. Civilization as we know it is at stake. It's about everything. If Donald Trump is re-elected president of the United States, is this... I mean... I think her mind is fried. You want to know the truth, too. We'll be right back. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit LevinForHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. LevinForHillsdale.com.
1: Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial
0: in now, 877-381-3811. You know, I love it when you left us out there, all three of you, like to say this administration doesn't believe in science. This is a line that Bernie Sanders and the Democrats use. This would be the same leftists and Democrats who don't believe a baby's a baby. Who don't believe a baby's a baby. It's just a choice. These are the same leftists and Democrats who go from global global cooling to global warming to climate change. And their science is in utter dispute, so-called science. This is an entire ideology, this statist radical progressivism, soft Marxism, that rejects science and embraces so-called behavioral sciences, and social sciences, that is the study of the manipulation of human beings, if you want to know the truth. They reject science all the time. The president of the United States is relying on the CDC, HHS, the mothership, NIH, experts throughout the country, experts in the states. And they say the administration rejects science. I don't know what their problem is. Reject science? Our private pharmaceutical companies, which you've been told to hate, are spending a fortune on trying to figure out how to resolve this, as are our scientific institutions in the federal government. It's a funny thing. You can't snap your fingers and things don't just happen. I know that's what we're used to these days, but it doesn't work that way. It never has. It never has and it never will. I want to get back to what Nancy Pelosi said. This is very, very important. You you never heard of speakers talking like this before? Never, never. Cut twelve. Go.
2: Uh, This election is a very important election, in my view. Civilization, as we know it, is at stake. Uh, It is. It's about
0: everything. Let's just stop here. She's barely cogent. She's barely coherent. She mumbles, she shucks and jives. She stumbles. The incoherence, the, the, the lack of, of, of rational thought. I mean, we, we're almost getting stupefied by this. I mean, can you imagine she and Biden in the same room talking, Mr. Producer? I mean, Pelosi sounds like her brain is fried. Biden sounds like his brain is fried. I'm telling you the truth. Go ahead, America. We ask God
2: to bless America. What is America? America is our Constitution. America is our Constitution with our the genius of the. Right, let, let's
0: let let's stop. actually, America is not our Constitution. The Constitution is a is is a brilliant. Brilliant governing system. That's our government, is the Constitution. If you want to know our founding principles or our fundamental principles, you look at the Declaration. But she won't look at the Declaration. And most progressives don't. They hate it as much as they hate the Constitution. She'll never talk about natural law and natural rights. We have. Over almost 20 years on radio, a tremendous amount. i about it as well. She won't talk about unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Joe Biden can't even get those words out of his mouth. What is the Declaration? The Declaration is a statement of fundamental truths. Progressivism is a statement of fundamental flaws. And you cannot, you cannot, simply cannot, it is impossible to embrace the Declaration and the Constitution and to be a progressive. It's impossible. You can cherry-pick to justify the ends that you're trying to accomplish, but the whole... Body of principles that underlay the the declaration and the system set up by the Constitution is repugnant to statism and progressivism, which is why they're always pushing the borders, which is why they want radical activists on the courts, which is why they're always attacking the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights exists to tell the government what it can't do, not to tell you what you can't do. But she is so desperate to hang on to her speakership. She wants you to believe. She wants Democrats and independents and some Republicans to believe. That if you don't vote for whomever. Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders. Then we lose our civilization. And yet ironically in many ways it's the other way around isn't it. Donald Trump doesn't seek to fundamentally transform America. America the American society. He seeks to fundamentally control our out-of-control federal government. That's much different. That's what our founders were doing when they were fighting off the British crown. They weren't trying to fundamentally transform America. They were trying to fundamentally transform those who were governing over them. And more and more of the government is disconnected from the voter, from representative government, which is why the status progressives have created this massive bureaucracy, and Bernie Sanders wants to double or triple its size. And so does Biden, and we'll get to him later, because he needs to have a lot of attention paid to him. Nancy Pelosi said something else today that you need to hear. Cut 13, go.
2: Unless you were blessed to be born a Native American, which is a blessing to you and those of us who love you, and to America, we are a nation of immigrants.
0: Now, here you go. The truth is, and we discussed it, that most of the Native tribes, their ancestors, were not born in America. They were born elsewhere. This is the truth. But even if she's right, what does it mean when you say we're a nation of immigrants? What does that mean? Open borders? No nation state? No boundaries? No rules? No laws? Is that what the con- She just said America is our Constitution. Did she not say that, Mr. Producer? Our Constitution addresses immigration, doesn't it? It doesn't say open borders for everybody. It empowers Congress to make the laws on immigration. Now, if you have open immigration and open borders from day one, I guess you don't need laws on immigration, do you? But we have laws on immigration. We are not a nation of immigrants. Even though many of the people here, obviously, many of you are immigrants or many of you are the progeny of immigrants. I am. But a nation is made up of citizens, not immigrants. Citizens. Immigrants who embrace and assimilate into the culture and become citizens. Citizens. America is not America is not defined by the last person, the last alien who manages to come into the country. America is not defined by th- cultures in foreign lands governments in foreign lands Americanism is a culture Americanism is a way of life so America is not a nation of immigrants or would be immigrants or future immigrants immigrants can become Americans but America doesn't become a nation of immigrants America is a nation of citizens People who come in, follow the rules, and assimilate into our civil society, into our culture, into our constitutional republic. No nation is a nation of immigrants. Or it can't survive. What does a nation of immigrants mean? Open borders? Anybody can come and go as they please? What does that mean? If we're a nation of immigrants... Why do we require evidence of citizenship to receive certain government benefits, to vote? If we're a nation of immigrants, then immigrants should vote, whether they're citizens or not. Maybe that's what she has in mind. Go ahead.
2: ...and every newcomer to America with hopes, dreams, aspirations... Uh, for a better life for their children in the future. Those are American traits. No, that's, that's
0: fine. But immigration is about what the citizenry wants, not what 2 billion people who want to come to America want. Immigration is about what is in the best interest of the citizenry, what is in the best interest of the civil society, not what the immigrant wants, It's what the citizen wants, collectively. Nancy Pelosi isn't voted into office by immigrants or would be immigrants. No politician is. They're voted into office by citizens, so they represent citizens. Go ahead
2: have made America more American and continue to do so.
0: No, all newcomers haven't made America more American. Some have and some haven't. Like everyone else. Some have and some have. They speak of immigrants, illegal immigrants, future immigrants, as if they're more noble than the American citizen. As if the American citizen doesn't build this country. The American citizenry incorporates immigrants, but it also incorporates people who have been here two, three, four, five, ten generations. And notice, they never ever speak well, speak well of families that have been here for two, three, four, five, six generations. The immigrants who walk into the country today did not build America. As a logical matter of fact, they did not build America. America is built. Now it continues to build, but you get my point. I'm not hostile to immigrants. I am hostile to what the Democrat Party is trying to do with immigrants. Just like Bob Woodson said, I hope you watched watch Life, Liberty, and Levin last night. He said what well, the Democrat Party has done to blacks, to African Americans. It's a sin. But you're not allowed to say that any more than you're allowed to say that Joe Biden has a mental deficiency. You're not allowed to talk the truth. I'll be right back. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillstall College mission. Learning, character, faith and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Now, this coronavirus is not going to wipe out mankind as we know it. We don't know the extent of the damage it's going to do. In the United States, it has actually moved rather slowly. And the president does deserve credit for making serious governmental efforts to contain it, to limit its impact in the United States. And he has succeeded But he can't eliminate it. He can't stop it. It's amazing. The people who claim the administration doesn't believe in science. Well, where's their fantasy world coming from? Not magicians. But you also need to understand. It's not a pandemic. 500 and some people have been infected. With 26 deaths. Of course it's 26 too many, but we don't live in a perfect world. And meanwhile, they're using it politically to try and take down the president and to try and take down the economy. These are the same people, you recall, who said we need a recession to take down Trump. This is what their focus is on, their power and their control. More when I return. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here, our number 877 381 3811. 381 3811. Now, I don't just play these clips to fill time. Mr. Producer will tell you that. I play these clips to make a point, a bigger point. Because rather than me just telling you who these people are and what they think and where they're coming from, they say it themselves. What I need to do is elaborate on top of what they're doing. Chuck Todd has destroyed Meet the Press. He's destroyed Meet the Press. I used to enjoy Meet the Press as a kid with uh, Lawrence Spivak. And then later, uh, I used to enjoy it as well. With Tim, uh, what was his name? Russert, Tim Russert, really good. And he was a Democrat, but he was good. Chuck Todd is really an out-of-the-closet leftist, although he won't admit that he's a Democrat. And he's not bright. So this is a very dangerous combination. And here he is. He's, he's interviewing Dr. Anthony Fauci, the head of NIH. And I want you to listen to his question very carefully. Cut seven. Go. How uncomfortable is it that perhaps China's authoritarian ways did prevent this? Meaning, had China been a free and open society, this might have spread faster. So now, you get that? Now, first of all, the full extent of what's going on in China is still unknown today because it is a closed police state society. And it is shocking that somebody like this would make that comment when I've talked about these citizen reporters in China, because that's really the only kind of reporters they have who are independent and thoughtful and and honest, have gone missing. So Chuck Todd is speaking from a framework of propaganda and demagoguery created by a genocidal Chinese regime that has no regard for a free press whatsoever. And yet he treats it with absolute respect, looks up to it looks up to it. He doesn't talk about Donald Trump or our own country this way. But I want you to listen again, and then we'll get the answer from Dr. Fauci. Cut seven. Go. How uncomfortable is it that perhaps China's authoritarian ways did prevent this? Meaning, had China been a free and open society, this might have spread faster.
1: You know, uh, in the beginning, Chuck, uh, <clears throat> they were not as transparent as we would have liked. Now let's saying- stop
0: there. Everybody knows that. So why would Chuck Todd say the opposite of that? It's shocking. Go ahead. At the end of December, that all that cluster of 24 cases were related to... Uh, contact with an animal reservoir. Uh-huh. That wasn't the case because there was human to human to human going on a few weeks before. If the Chinese themselves had known that, the health authorities, people right. I know, my, my colleagues, they would have given social distancing right away instead of having a 40,000 person block party, is what they had, unfortunately. Right. What do you mean, right, Chuck? He just completely obliterated your comment. Don't you do any research? Don't you have your own researchers? The Chinese communist regime, Chuck, has come under tremendous criticism for the way it's handled this. Tremendous criticism. So why would you say what you said? Because you want to be Thomas Friedman? You want to win a Pulitzer Prize or something? I, I don't it's it it is amazing to me how these people think and what they say. Here's Brian Stelter on CNN. Now, he he has this show on Sunday. He's a media analyst. There was a big write-up of the guy. Where was it? New York Times or somewhere. He and his wife and his kids. Oh, it's, well, you never see anything like that about me. Trust me on that. So they're always applauding each other. They're always reinforcing each other. That's the nature of groupthink. That's the nature of the American media. But let's listen to this. Cut eight, go.
3: The president should lead or else he should get out of the way. By all means, sir, please don't go out of your way to make a bad situation worse.
0: Now, let's stop. And don't be distracted by the pre-Bubescent voice of Brian Stelter. Don't be distracted by his pre-Bubescent voice. This is a journalist talking to the president this way. Lead or get out of the way. He's having constant meetings. He's having constant phone conferences. He He's talking to governors. He's talking to the scientists, to the experts. He's giving them whatever support they need. He's made very tough decisions. I would argue wise decisions, as a matter of fact. The president was dealt these cards. <clears throat> he didn't create NIH or the CDC or the HHS. And so when this breakout occurred, they either had testing for it or they didn't have testing for it. And this is what you do. You make decisions. You, you solve problems when you're president of the United States. Joe Biden doesn't even know what day it is. And this president jumped all over it. He understood immigration was a potential issue. He understood visas were a potential issue. He understood certain countries were bigger issues than other countries. And the experts and the scientists in our government have been given their heads. Nobody's told them not to do a thing. Not one of them has complained. Not one. So the president inherited this uh, expert workforce, so to speak. And he's addressing it, I think, in an extremely sober and intelligent way. Brian Stelter has never managed anything in his life. He can't even manage his own damn show. Lead or get out of the way? Don't make a bad situation worse? What the hell is he talking about? What kind of a media journalist is this? Go ahead. Lead or get out of the way. Don't be an obstacle. Maybe just stay on the golf course. Stay on the golf course, ladies and gentlemen. That's all. Stay on the golf course. This is a reporter. This is the reporting you're getting now. Stay on the golf course. And over at MSLSD, they have no standards whatsoever. None. None. It is a cable company that is owned by Comcast. Which also owns NBC. And I love the men and women who work for Comcast. But man, is it a crappy company. It just is, Mr. Producer. It's so mismanaged. It's so badly managed. You try and get some help. And when the people come, they're as nice as can be and they'll tell you look I'm doing the best i can but and they'll explain the situation to you but the executives at Comcast are lousy lousy and of course they buy NBC and MSNBC in order to cover their asses why do you think AT&T bought CNN and Time Warner why do you think why do you think Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post you never see anything negative about any of these massive conglomerates nothing Nothing. You don't even know who, who runs them. Who is Jeff Bezos' uh, number two guy? Anybody know? Of course you don't know. Who's the chairman of uh, AT&T? Do you know? Of course you don't know. How about Comcast? Who the hell knows? Nobody. But here's Sharpton. Why is Sharpton on TV at all? Let alone commenting on the coronavirus Cut five, go. And we're playing games with people's lives. We are... Hey, jackass, who's playing games with people's lives? What the hell are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about, you moron? Go ahead. And we're
1: playing games with people's lives. We are in danger. And put the partisan politics aside for a moment, and you are are my disdain
0: for the president. For the president to stand there. All right, so we're going to put politics aside and his disdain for the president. And the next thing out of his mouth is for the president to stand there. Go ahead
1: hat on and try to keep people at bay so he can play with the numbers for political reasons while we're seeing people of all parties, all races, all economic backgrounds in jeopardy here is as callous and immoral and sick. You are,
0: you are, you are such a demagogue. You are a grotesque stain on the body politic. That's right. I said it. That's right, I said it. What the hell has Al Sharpton done? They're trashing the scientists, they're trashing the experts, because that's who the president's relying on. He's not fixing the numbers, he's explaining the numbers. They say, you know, they are exploiting this. How can you listen to what I've been playing? Whether it's Brian Stelter or Chuck Todd, Al Sharpton, and there'll be more. And not conclude that the Democrats and the Democrat Party media are not exploiting this for everything it's worth. Shameful and shameless, and the same hucksters and hustlers. Whether they're pushing Russia collusion or Ukrainian collusion or whatever it is, here they are. They grasping onto this. So desperate for power. It's sick. And by the way, Sharpton, you don't represent me, and don't pretend that you do. You're a good-for-nothing as far as I'm concerned. And speaking of good-for-nothing, what the hell has Joe Scarborough ever done? What has he ever done? He's a self-serving buffoon. And a sleazeball to boot. Cut six, go. Go
1: like donald trump saying on friday
3: i don't want that ship to dock because that will just mean that there are more reported numbers of the coronavirus that's not what
0: he said we all heard what he said that that'll just mean there's more what he's explaining is and by the way it did dock and it wouldn't have docked but for the fact the president approved of it so you don't even know what the hell you're talking about loser radio failure tv nobody No. What the president was explaining, because you clowns keep running with numbers, 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 numbers. You're the ones who do it, the phony media. He's explaining by letting that ship in, the numbers of people in the United States who have the coronavirus will go up, and you'll add them to the number. He didn't say he would or wouldn't let them in because of the numbers. He's explaining how you in the damn media are playing with the statistics. You're the ones throwing the numbers up there. You never did it with the flu. You never did it with the flu. He didn't say how many flu cases there were, how many people were dying, bringing in politicians, ex-federal prosecutors, professors, civil rights frauds and others coming on your program to tell you what they think of a President Obama during the course of a flu where maybe 40,000 people died. Does anybody remember the media doing that? Does anybody remember the media any time in the last 10 years reporting on how many flu deaths there were? Not once. It's a bad flu season. That's what they'd say, right, Mr. Producer? It's a rough flu season. It's very rough. It's a bad one. They don't report on how many people die on our roads or are maimed on our roads as a result of CAFE standards. Because they like CAFE standards. That's man-made. That's man-made. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. John Brennan, and this will bring us to our next point. John Brennan, another ball was on MSLSD. You notice MSLSD and CNN, you have a conga line of Democrats. A conga line of Democrats. Obama officials, Clinton officials, Capitol Hill officials, they just keep running them through, if not hiring them. The only Republicans actually hire are never Trumpers, like, uh, like Scarborough. Scarborough used to be a cheerleader for Trump, and then they, uh, they didn't get along, and now Scarborough can't control himself. I was going to say something that would be hilarious, but it would be very nasty about Scarborough, so I won't say it. But there's John Brennan on MSNBC today. What can he possibly add to the issue of the coronavirus? Why would Andrea Mitchell have John Brennan on? Unless she knows what he's going to say in advance. He's a good vessel. Cut four, go.
2: And later on, uh, President Obama had to deal with Ebola. So he really
0: had two on his watch. Right, and he had created then a pandemic office in the White House that has been taken down by the Trump administration. So one of the things I think we see the difference whoa, here... Whoa whoa, is- whoa, 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 whoa. He created a pandemic office to deal with... Ebola, well, we don't need a pandemic office in the White House. And they make these comments like that's going to fix stuff. Obama didn't fix Ebola. He didn't even control Ebola. It worked its way through society. I mean, it's incredible. And so now we have these these various departments and agencies in the federal government uh, that, of course, were there when Obama was president. Certain funding was cut. Certain funding wasn't cut. Trump inherits these. These agencies have been there a very long time. And, uh, well, he, he got rid of something Obama created, but Obama got rid of some things. Anyway, it, it, it serves no purpose. He, it, it, there's no connection. First of all, it's not a pandemic. Anyway, go ahead. Donald Trump, who f- throughout his entire life he's looked at the world through a prism of how things affect his personal and financial so, political. So, really, why is this guy commenting at all about the coronavirus? Andrea Mitchell has been able to fool people for God knows how long. God knows how long as a phony journalist. Like I say, I remember when she was a cub reporter in Philadelphia. She was lousy then, as she's lousy now. But why bring on John Brennan to attack Trump? The very networks that bring these guests on to trash the president of the United States who have nothing substantive to add. They know nothing about this. You're going to bring on Brennan? You're going to bring on Sharpton? I mean, it's like... If I'm doing a show and it's on coronavirus, I'm not bringing on Brennan and Sharpton. They're not even in my mind. Brennan and Sharpton? Now, if I want to talk about constipation, then I'll bring on Brennan and Sharpton. But not this. Anyway, go ahead. And I wonder whether he's psychologically capable to put the country's well-being first and to subordinate his So own- she doesn't interrupt him, this slime ball. Andrea Mitchell doesn't interrupt them. He goes on and on. Trump psychologically. But do not talk about Biden psychologically, we're warned over the weekend. When we come back, thank you, Mr. Brennan. You're the perfect bridge into this topic. The dangerous case of Joe Biden. The dangerous case of Joe Biden. I'll be right back.
1: doesn't suffer fools well so if you're a fool don't call 877-381-3811 if
3: you want a nominee we'll bring this party together who'll run a progressive positive campaign and turn turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for because we cannot get re-elect we cannot win this re-election Excuse me, we can only re-elect Donald Trump <laughs> if, in fact, we get engaged in this circular firing squad here.
0: Now, he does this all the time. What are we to make of this? The Democrat Party and the Democrat Party press and their supporters would have you laugh it off. Oh, that's just Joe. Well, the problem is it is just Joe, and it's getting worse. Now, I said to you, I'm going to make out the dangerous case of Joe Biden. Now, what you may have forgotten, that's the title of a book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, written by Bandy Lee, M.D., Yale College. 27 psychiatrists and mental health experts assess a president. Now, how come we don't have 27 psychiatrists and mental health experts assessing a presidential candidate who clearly is not mentally fit for the job? And we have every right to discuss this. Because it's our country, and he wants to be the president of the United States. This is a grueling job. And... As you know, I cited this book in my book, and I had Ms. Lee on this program. She sounded like a buffoon, with all due respect. And in the end the epilogue, they say, among other things, there are two huge dangers that the human species face. We're in a situation where we need to decide whether the species survives in any decent form. One is the rising danger of nuclear war, which is quite serious, and the other is environmental catastrophe. She said Trump wants to virtually eliminate the EPA, which of course is absurd. Richard Nixon's legacy to cut back regulations and race toward the the precipice as quickly as possible. So you can see these psychiatrists and psychologists, they were using their degrees and their positions to advance a radical left agenda. On militarism, he wants to raise the military budget, already over half of discretionary spending, leading right now to confrontations which could be extremely hazardous. And they go on, commenting about the president's mental health. Now this woman, Bandy Lee, organizer of the Yale Duty to Warn Conference, Was all over CNN. All over MSNBC. All over Capitol Hill. She wrote this book. Was published by St. Martin's Press. A huge publisher. She was taken seriously. She was given media platform after media platform. And very few of us said anything. I spoke out. Loudly against this. I actually went through the book with you. I actually brought her on the air and confronted her. And her farcical comments. Now I and you are being told, don't discuss Joe Biden's mental health. Not just on MSNBC and CNN, but even on Fox. Don't discuss it. Don't discuss whether he has early stages of dementia. And I'm thinking to myself, when Ronald Reagan was running for president, he was 69 years old, and they attacked his mental stability. They did the same thing. They said that he was a danger with a button that he might create nuclear war. That he wasn't with it. That he wasn't all there. He was 69. Joe Biden's 77. And we're told that this isn't a, a legitimate area to discuss and to look at. Now we don't need to take our lead from these phony reporters, ladies and gentlemen. We don't need to take our lead from the DNC the guests on TV, the consultants, the paid and hired mouthpieces, we're the citizenry. I know we're not all recent immigrants, but we're the citizenry. We own this country. We own this government. We own the office of the presidency. And I'll be damned if I'm going to listen to this guy mumble through a statement, a simple statement, confuse his wife with his sister, and on and on and on, and not raise the specter that the Democrat Party is circling the wagons around a man who is not mentally capable of being President of the United States any more than a figurehead. Any more than a figurehead. And they know it, and we know it. There needs to be some kind of, of an objective, honest examination. Maybe by a third party. Of a handful of experts to look at this. And for the left, of course, they'll throw up. Well, what about Trump? It's nothing to do with Trump. This has nothing to do with Trump. They don't like Trump. They don't agree with his policies. They don't like the way he talks. But he's sharp as can be. This guy, like his policies, are not Biden. He's a dim bulb. And by the way, if I were the president's people, I'd be recommending that he have five, six, seven debates with Joe Biden. Should Joe Biden be the nominee, I might add. Have five, six, seven debates with him. Insist on it. One-on-one. Ninety minutes at a time. Five, six, seven debates. The Democrat Party is behind Joe Biden now. Because none of their other candidates were sufficiently popular with their voters to take on Bernie Sanders. This is a fact. I'm not rooting for this one way or another. I'm just explaining it. The reason the Democrat Party fears Bernie Sanders is not his crackpot ideology, because they share most of it. It's because he doesn't embrace all their big city leaders, all their PACs, and all the rest of it. He's a true blue Marxist. Well, they don't mind the Marxist ideology, but they do mind the fact that they want to hold on the power. So it's like a fight between the Trotskyites and the Stalinists. And Bernie, at least in this battle, I'd say he's very Stalinist, but at least in this example I'm giving, he's the Trotskyite. And the Stalinists feel threatened by the Trotskyite. Fine. I can't stand either. But the idea that they're now rallying around Joe Biden, this Kamala Harris is a complete sellout. She'll do anything to be vice president of the United States because she knows that leads to the presidency. And she may well get there if Biden, in terms of nomination, I mean, if Biden is the nominee, Cory Booker. Can you imagine those two on stage, Mr. Producer, Cory Booker and Biden, kind of yelling all the time? Biden just kind of yelling, howling just because he can, and Cory Booker screaming at the top of Whoa, baby. Would that be interesting? But there's no book on Joe Biden's mental status by 27 psychiatrists and mental health experts. And if there were such a book, do you think they'd get anywhere on cable TV? other than my show, of course. You think they'd make it anywhere? What do you think they'd say about these 27 psychiatrists and mental health experts? They'd go after them. They'd try to destroy them. You think there's a publisher that would publish that book? No, they'd destroy the publisher. It's all one-way street. And yet Donald Trump's got no psychiatric issues. None. None, based on what we can see and hear and all the rest. Joe Biden is a uh, is a perfect experiment in psychiatric issues as far as I'm concerned but the same hosts on CNN the same hosts on MSNBC that were attacking the president of the United States lies about his mental acumen using bandy lee among others lies won't say a word about joe biden Because that's who they've got, like it or not. It's Joe Biden. And the president says something that's very prescient. God forbid if Joe Biden's elected president, he won't be in charge of this government. No way in hell. Leftists, many of them working for Obama in the past, they'll be in charge of the government. And there was something in Axios today which Joe Biden and his surrogates have absolutely rejected, as they must. Something in Axios today. Axios, whatever the hell it's called. It's a left wing site. And they say they have accents to confidants who are privately discussing potential leaders and cabinet members for the White House. John Kerry, Susan Rice, Sally Yates, Mike Bloomberg. Elizabeth Warren who else then they speculate Boudjesh then you have Ron Klein this reprobate he was put in charge of Ebola the vice president's chief of staff they don't mention it. Anita Dunn who they got rid of even in the Obama administration and others Hardcore leftists, again, many of whom worked in the Obama administration, as Joe did. So that's what you have to look forward to. And the media love it. They would love nothing more than to see these people back. They want these people back. So they're going to cover up for Biden the way they covered up for Obama and his links to domestic terrorists – The way they covered up for Hillary Clinton. Some things they had to report, but in the end, they covered up for The way they're covering up now for Sanders and his long, deep, grotesque Marxist background. And his anti-Semitic surrogates. And then they'll tell you, you're not allowed to discuss this stuff. You mustn't discuss Joe Biden's mental health. It cannot be an issue. This is a lecture. If it wasn't good, the dangerous case of Donald Trump and Bandy Lee did it, it's not it's not how this works. They were concocting an issue with Trump. Just like they concoct so many issues with Trump, they create these lies, these pseudo events, and then they take on a life of their own. Joe Biden is in front of us, ladies and gentlemen. We don't need interpreters. We don't need explanations. We don't need spin. We see him and we hear him and something is wrong. Something is wrong. But that's their guy to defeat Sanders and they hope to defeat Trump. And so now they're going to lie and spin and a counterattack. Because that's what they do. You know, the Media Research Center has been leading the war against dishonest news for over three decades. Because the people deserve the truth. The media in this country haven't provided the truth in a very long time. They're very good at giving us opinions and propaganda. But the truth, nah. That's why the work of the MRC, especially their Newsbusters blog, is so very important. They focus 100% of their attention on the anti-Trump media, and they do it like no one else. Learn more about the MRC at MRC's Newsbuster blog. It's one of the most important websites that every conservative should follow. It's MRC, what is it, Mr. MRC MRClevin.com? Okay. MRClevin.com, mrclevin.com They track what everyone in the media says. And right now they're focused on dishonest campaign reporting and exposing media attacks on President Trump's response to the coronavirus outbreak, which has been... The coverage by the Media Research Center and their groups has been fantastic. The coverage by the media has been disgusting. Luckily, the team at Newsbusters and the rest of the MRC are there to expose the media's dishonesty, make sure the American people get the truth. That's why we call the MRC America's Media Watchdog. That's what I thought. Go to mrclevin.org.com. MRCLEVIN.org. Not com. M-R-C-L-E-V-I-N.org. One more time, and please check it out. That's MRC Levin, dot I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: You know, with home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way, where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune. Or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection, two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard inside. You barely notice it's there. But what's truly remarkable is you can set up this system all by yourself. Anyone can do it. It takes 30 minutes to an hour, tops, and there's absolutely no trade offs to your safety. You have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice 24 7. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system, and so do I. That's why we have it. Go to simplysafemark.com and you'll get free shipping and a 60 day risk free trial. That's simplysafemark.com. You've got nothing to lose. Please go now. Be sure you go to simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. You know, you may notice, Mr. Producer does, I'm sure. I'm not coughing as much today. It's not because I'm better. I have a new inhaler. And it's once a day inhaling. And I'm going to tell you folks something. My wife is furious with me. I had this for like two and a half weeks. And my pulmonologist, who is tremendous, he said, please use this. Try this. You can only use it once a day, Mr. Producer. And I don't have it in front of me. I don't know what it's called. Son of a gun. I've used it twice. Yesterday and today. Knock on wood. I probably just screwed up. And I can still tell as the show goes on, you you get a little weaker and so forth. But the point is, it gets deep into your lungs. And you know who developed this, Mr. Producer? Our pharmaceutical companies. That's right. Our pharmaceutical companies. They developed it. And it's doing a hell of a good job, so I want to thank them. I'm not out to destroy American Enterprise. I went in today, I got four prescriptions filled. It cost me eighty-nine dollars. Lady in front of me gets four or five prescriptions filled. I think it maybe cost her ninety-five or something like that. She was complaining every step of the way. Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Yes, she is, out of her mind. It's crazy. All right, I'll be right back. From the
1: Westwood One Podcast Network. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Thank you for being here. 877-381-3811. All right, the inhaler that I just used, it's uh, prescription only. It's called InCruz, I-N-C-R-U-S-E. I I think that's the commercial name. It's an inhalation powder. Damn thing seems to work, at least for now. I won't hold my breath, as they say. (laughs) But seriously. You know what uh, is amazing in all these clips... All the Sunday news shows. Even some of our friends on cable TV. You know what's interesting, Mr. Producer? As they attack Donald Trump and say this hasn't been handled with seriousness. Which, of course, it is me. How come Adam Schiff isn't dragged on TV and asked about what he did while this breakout was occurring in China? How come Chuck Schumer isn't dragged onto TV And asked about what he was doing while this breakout was taking place in China. How come Nancy Pelosi holds one of her sort of, uh, well, holds one of her press conferences and the question isn't put to her? How come the United States Congress was paralyzed as a result of the Democrats when this breakout was occurring in China? And then there's a question for the media. Where were you? You were busy saying, shouldn't there be witnesses? Shouldn't there be witnesses? I think there should be witnesses. Need John Bolton. Whatever happened to John Bolton? They don't talk about him anymore, Mr. Producer. See how it works? John Bolton, non-factor. Witnesses, who can remember? The Senate impeachment trial, outrageous, long behind us. The conduct of the Democrats and paralyzing the House and the Senate so they're not having hearings into the coronavirus or funding nobody talks about it except me Chuck Todd is not going to ask Nancy Pelosi this question George Stephanopoulos is not going to ask Adam Schiff this question Jake Tapper is not going to ask Chuck Schumer this question it's not going to be asked The Democrats have no responsibility. If you're going to politicize it, then politicize it. The Democrats have no responsibility for anything. They're just observers, don't you know? The fact that they shut down Congress is meaningless. And they shut it down for a long time. For a long time. In the Senate, three, three and a half weeks, but it was really more than that. And if they had had their way, And if Mitt Romney had had his way, the Senate would have been paralyzed for a longer period of time while they're still fighting over witnesses and testimony and all the rest. It could have gone on for another month. For a whole other month. Then they attacked the President of the United States, who they were trying to cripple and trying to, to remove from office. He didn't move fast enough. Well, he moved with lightning speed, certainly, compared to them. But he did move fast. What the hell is he supposed to do? He did everything he needed to do or everything he could do. Let me put it that way. But the Democrats are never dragged into this. And yet they took over the Congress. They blackmailed the Senate. Nancy Pelosi sat on those unconstitutional articles for a month, for 33 days. Imagine where we'd be in terms of congressional oversight of the coronavirus. We'd be far ahead of where we are today. And now she says if President Trump's reelected, it threatens our very civil society, it threatens the existence. You know what? Let's go back to Cut 12. I want to move on, but this is so outlandish and sick. Cut 12, go.
2: Uh, the, the, this election is a very important election. In my view, civilization as we know it,
0: it, it, it is at stake. These are our leaders today. Not exactly Thatcherite or Churchillian. Not exactly Thatcherite or Churchillian, as they trip over their own big mouths and tongues. There's a good editor on the Washington Examiner today. Disappointed in their choices, desperate Democrats settle for Biden. Until last Sunday, Biden was just a doddering old poll with his best days behind him. <laughs> and they weren't very good, may I say. And uh, unimpressive in every presidential debate and certainly nothing special on the stump. His performance in the first three presidential contests was embarrassing And to make matters worse, Biden was showing clear signs of mental decline, such as false memories, fairness, it could just be dishonesty, and bizarre bizarre diffusions and delusions. After Super Tuesday, Biden is still the exact same guy described above, but he's also the Democrats' new frontrunner. Biden, whose primary campaign was on the way out, suddenly finds himself in a marriage of convenience with Democrat voters. Who realized, belatedly, with a feeling of desperation, they have no other viable candidate for president. It all began last Sunday. In a televised interview, Bernie Sanders reminded voters who he is and always will be by praising Fidel Castro. And refusing to distance himself from revolutionary socialist movements. From that moment, he sank like a stone as Democratic voters decided they weren't going to let this happen. Rank-and-file Democrats, it turns out, are not nearly as woke as their candidates, so the media have tried to suggest they aren't stupid, which is to say they aren't socialists. Well, now, I don't necessarily agree with some of that. Uh, I also think Elizabeth Warren, the president's right, really hurt Bernie Sanders in several states, Massachusetts among them, Maine, but a number of states, maybe even Texas. Democratic primary voters also probably considered former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, given his massive and spending and, and his uh, massive ad spending and his ability to self-finance. But after his appalling, disappointing, and infuriating performance at the Democrats' Las Vegas debate, most of them were having none of it. They also couldn't go with Elizabeth Warren, who's polled weakest against President Trump among all the Democratic candidates. As a result, Biden suddenly came back from the dead in South Carolina and won handily on Saturday. Then with Pete Buttigieg and Amy Globuchar finally dropping out and endorsing Biden, Democratic voters all around the country decided spontaneously and simultaneously that now was the time to settle for, well, that guy. They will line up lockstep behind the safe establishment choice whom everyone had been anticipating as the winner last summer. This hasn't necessarily been a winning formula for either political party. Democrats elected their last three presidents by taking risks and choosing dark horse candidates, Carter, Clinton, Obama. The relatively inoffensive, safe nominees, think of Al Gore or John Kerry, tend not to do so well. Think about Hillary Clinton, too. Before Trump, Republicans had also fared poorly in choosing inoffensive, my-turn-next my uh, nominees out of large competitive fields. Neither Bob Dole nor John McCain nor Mitt Romney had what it took. If he can hold off Sanders for a few more weeks and cobble together enough delegates to secure the nomination, Biden will surely be a tough opponent for Trump. But how strange that having been given up for dead, he's become the one Democrats are so desperate to settle for. Well, as we said here, people were writing off Biden too soon. We didn't. I didn't make predictions, but I said it was way too early in the primaries to say Biden didn't have a chance, certainly before Super Tuesday. And he was helped enormously by Elizabeth Warren. I think Elizabeth Warren really was there to stop Sanders, but that's for another day. So now they have Biden. They're going to turn Biden into, uh, you know what? they're going to turn Biden into, Mr. Producer? Einstein smartest guy to ever run he's just underestimated all that gibberish that comes out of his mouth where he speaks in like tongues <clears throat> that's just a facade to confuse his his opponents confuses the opponent, opponents the democrats had a very very weak field we've talked about this many times a very weak field and now they're left with two of the weakest of the field if you think about it, two old men, which is okay in and of itself. I'm going to be an old man one day, but I don't intend to run for president. But one who is a, a died in the wool Marxist and the other who is absolutely an idiot. And they've decided let's get behind the idiot to defeat the Marxists. Because, look, Joe will surround himself with a bunch of reprobate Marxists and socialists, and whatever you want to call them. So in the end, we'll get what we want, maybe 80% of what we want, 70%. But, you know, it's a slow train. We're okay. But Sanders probably can't win. But now Joe. Joe is so smart. Man, his ties to blue-collar I've never understood his ties to blue-collar workers. Joe was never a blue-collar worker. His family members have never been blue-collar workers. He hasn't done a damn thing for blue-collar workers. He's your typical liberal. Your typical liberal. And God forbid, if he gets in office with all these reprobates, these former Obama supporters and, and others, God knows how many blue bo- blue-collar jobs are going to be lost, these assembly lines and so forth. That's why the Democrats are trying to actually pin the coronavirus on Trump And the media are doing exactly the same thing. It's appalling. I'll be right back. Mark
1: Levin.
0: AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. You know, folks, it's very important I continue to discuss what goes on in Israel. Not because I'm Jewish. No, 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 no. But because you can see the similarities of what's taking place in our country. And you have Obama operatives who are working in Israel to try and topple Benjamin Netanyahu. They have never forgiven Netanyahu for coming to this country, talking to us, the American people, speaking to Congress in fighting the Iran deal. Let me tell you how diabolical it is now over in Israel. I've told you about this party. They call themselves Blue and White. Blue and White really are, in my view, the colors of Israel. When you look at their flag, it's Blue and White. And a former IDF chief, Benny Gantz, has joined with a a left-of-center type called Lapid, Uh, they tried to pull this party together for the single purpose of defeating Netanyahu. They managed to get in the election very few votes, maybe 32, 33 votes, as I recall. The Likud party got 36. They got three more votes. But more than that, the Likud party was aligned with other parties, religious parties and so forth. So together, they came just shy of 59 votes. You need 61 members or votes because the Knesset, or parliament, is 120 members in order to choose the prime minister and run the government. Well, this guy, Benny Gantz, during the campaign promised he would not allow the Arab list, that is the list of Arab parties, in his government. Nor did they want to be part of the government. Because they're made up of individuals that include Islamists, Arab nationalists, and communists as their leaders. And the parties oppose the very existence of the state of Israel. Many of them are, are sort of fronts for the Palestinians and so forth. But they say, we want to be assimilated into the country, of course. But they don't even support the country. So Benny Gantz, among other things, said during the campaign, don't worry. You know, they'll not be part of the government. But here's the problem, why this was always a lie. And I told people in the administration this. I've told other people this. Benny Gantz can't form a government without those Arab parties. They have 15 seats. He has 33. In addition, there's another guy by the name of Lieberman, I've told you. He's an immigrant from Russia. He's a Russian Jew. He won with his party a total of seven seats. He's a secularist nationalist, they call him. He despises the religious parties. Despises them. But he really despises his Netanyahu because he and his family and his cohorts came under a, a broad criminal investigation and he has blamed Netanyahu for that criminal investigation. Problem is, Netanyahu doesn't have control over the attorney general, the police there. They were inve- they're investigating him. They've indicted him. So something's going on with this Lieberman. I don't know if they have something on him or what. But he's supposed to be this big pro-defense, nationalist, secularist. And yet he's willing to throw in with the blue and white party and the Arab parties, Mr. Bidouz. Does that make sense to you? And in doing that, they'll have just enough numbers to take over the government, to appoint Gantz prime minister. And they want to pass two laws in the Knesset where they feel they have enough votes now with the Arab parties and this guy Lieberman which we would call unconstitutional in this country, because they're aimed at one person and they're retroactive. They're retroactive. Number one, term limiting a person as prime minister. This is after the election. So they would term limit Netanyahu, despite the fact he got far more votes than Benny Gantz's party. Number two, If you've been indicted, you cannot serve as prime minister. Well, these bogus charges that were brought against the prime minister, we've discussed them at length, you've seen them on Levin TV and so forth. That means any out-of-control attorney general and and police, they're not like our police, it's totally different, can take out a prime minister. So they want to pass these laws for the purpose of reversing the election in Israel, just like They impeached and sought to remove our president by reversing the vote that took place in the United States. The difference is they actually want to put Netanyahu in prison. So now Benny Gantz, here's the news, is squirreling around, trying to pull together a majority to become prime minister, and he needs the support of the Arab parties. And a couple of the the members of a part of the Blue and White called TELEM, T-E-L-E-M, that's not important, two who are supposedly more conservative have objected. And Benny Gantz has told them, according to Israeli reports, then get the hell out of our party, get the hell out of government. We still have enough votes without you. Can you believe this? Can you believe the dictatorial, totalitarian mentality, the tyranny? Israel's is going to become a laughingstock as these so-called parties destroy what is a democracy. It's truly appalling. I'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Denali, the Great One. The
0: Great One. And you can call in now, 877-381-3811. By the way, I also think the, uh, the Trump peace plan is in dire danger of being uh, rejected in, uh, in whole or in part. Grave danger as a result of this blue and white party working with the Arab parties. Uh, it never made any sense to me to wait till after the election to allow these, the Israeli government to annex its ancestral, part of it, its ancestral homeland in Judea and Samaria, and so forth and so on. And I warned individuals about this. Uh, the reason why it's very unlikely now, I hope I'm dead wrong. Again, it's not a prediction, it's a concern. Is because the Arab parties will never go for it. And the left will never go for it. And that means that Gantz would be thrown out as prime minister in about 14 minutes. In about 14 minutes. Plus you have the Obama people who are really behind Gantz in this party. Uh, And they want to see Trump fail. They want to see this deal fail. Because they don't believe in it. And none of the Democrats running for president believe in it. So in that regard, I think it was a mistake not to just go ahead and implement part of the program, waiting around for a committee to map and so forth. That could have been done much more quickly. I also think it probably would have helped Netanyahu in his election. See, this has an effect on us, too. It's going to be very difficult for this administration to work with Benny Gantz, who's so tied to Biden and and the Democrats uh, and the Obama administration. It's going to make it much, much more difficult to deal with the Iranians. Uh, So it does have an impact. It's going to have an impact on history, too, potentially. So Mr. Bidus was saying to me, it's so complicated. He's right. And the bottom line is this. You can get a larger percentage of the vote in Israel, but it's a party system. So if you can cobble together enough parties, even little parties, even Arab parties that reject the whole concept of a state of Israel, you can win, even though you get a lot fewer votes. It has nothing to do with our electoral college system or anything like that. And so this blue and white party is the umbrella party, has parties and individuals within its party, within its umbrella, I should say, that are at each other's throats. But it doesn't matter because they want to get Netanyahu. It's really shocking. And this guy Lieberman, I think uh, somebody must have something on this guy. Because now he's throwing in with the Arab parties, even though he'll claim he's not. But he's supposed to be the super nationalist. I've always told you, be careful of this populist nationalist stuff, because there's an overlap with the hard left. There's an overlap with the hard left. Had a great guest on Sunday, Bob Woodson, former civil rights activist, who has rejected the civil rights mob... For liberty. And he takes on this 1619 project. I want to give you an example. Let's go to Cut 20, Mr. Beducer, from Life, Liberty, and Levin. Go. You started this
3: 1776 project to counter this distortion of the history that these historians talk about. Absolutely. You know, Mark, there, there are two ways to prevent people from competing. One, to deny them by law the way we did under segregation. but the the more insidious way is to convince them that they don't have to compete, that because of their history of oppression, that your oppressor is obligated to be responsible for your future. That is a recipe for absolute disaster for people. It says if you're robbing and killing one another, it's not your fault. If you're having babies out of wedlock, and not taking care of them it's not your fault if you're eating too much and you're overweight it's not your fault it's, it and so it's 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 structural and distant that's like in the 60s the doors were locked from the outside and so we fought to open those doors but 1619 says to blacks those doors are locked from the still are locked from the outside. In 1776, we say no. As C.S. Lewis said, this is a door that's locked from the inside. You have the right of self-determination. And, and 1619 said that these conditions of the, of, of history are your present. And we, at, at 1776, offer evidence to the contrary. They say that capitalism is hostile to the interests of blacks. Well, there are 20 blacks who were born slaves who died millionaires. How was that possible if slavery were uh, uh, responsible for the decline of people? For one example, one woman, Biddy Mason, was uh, uh, born 1818 in Mississippi, and she couldn't read or write. And her master uh, moved, uh, he was a Mormon, and moved to Salt Lake City. She walked behind a wagon for a 1,000 miles tending to the the, uh, sheep she had three babies by him, and when she got to uh, uh, to Salt Lake City, he moved to California and that was a free state. A judge freed her and as a result, she was uh, a midwife and she earned a dollar fifty a day. She saved her money for ten years and purchased property in what is now downtown l a mm-hmm and got into real estate, and eventually, when she died, she was worth about $670,000. And she is the founder of the AME church that's still operating. And her her grandson became one of the wealthiest blacks. So there are countless stories like this of blacks in that period who achieved against the odds. And those traditions continue.
0: Now Bob Woodson is in charge of what he the Woodson Center, which he created. It's been there almost forty years in Washington, but its reach is in every major metropolitan area. Where he tries to stress individual merit, individual accomplishment, individual responsibility and accountability. He rejects what he calls these race hustlers. He said as soon as the federal government started spending all this money. On the welfare state, he knew it would be a sham. He knew it would be a sham, and he he explains that why would people who rely on this money in the bureaucracy and politics and so forth, why would they want to solve these problems? Then the money would run out. But he's much more articulate on this subject than I. But he, he was a tremendous guest, and this is why I'm doing this show. I want you to hear one more. Cut 21, go. Bernie Sanders, almost every stump speech, and he gets big applause. He says, America is racist from top to bottom. How do you react to
3: that? Well, first of all, it just, I bristle every time. But because it's so insulting. But I remember some years ago in Washington, um, D.C., the Klan had come to town, a rickety little bus, and 5,000 people were trying to get at him. And so the Washington Post came down into Ward 8, one of the most dangerous communities here in Washington, where there's a lot of violence, and they asked a 70-year-old man if he was going to join the demonstration against the Klan. He said, well, bring him down here if they can get rid of these drug dealers. So his reality was the condition of drug addiction and violence in his community. It was not race. White people are not in these communities robbing people and creating the murders. And so, the realities of people who have to live in these troubled communities is very different than those who posture on television and, and, and just have a shorthand way of somehow speaking to the needs of, of black people, assume that the only thing that's of interest to black America is race. That's insulting. Do you
0: see a huge disconnect between the way the media reports what's going on in these communities? Or even the politicians who supposedly
3: represent these communities speak about these communities. Does that question make sense to you? Oh, sure. For instance, um, we know about the Starbucks situation in Philadelphia, about these two men, supposed suppose, have gotten locked up. And I followed that because it's our hometown. What happened? Uh, what happened is these two men came to Starbucks and they just waited for someone.
0: They were both
3: Philadelphians. Philadelphia, Proud right, they didn 't order anything and they, and so the the manager asked them to leave and like that they called the police uh, well the The Washington Post reported that they were locked up for for being in starbucks that 's not the truth. The police asked them on three different occasions to please leave and they refused the police dr- directive, so therefore they were arrested for refusing the police, but the reporters left that part out and only reported that they were arrested for being in Starbucks. And that's when Starbucks, you know, caved um, in. And and this is where the race hustlers had a field day because their consulting contracts were signed. So Starbucks closed down for a half a day to teach race sensitivity to its employees, which is one of the biggest growing rackets uh, in the country. And uh, so, but that shows you where we are in sad state of race in America.
0: I want to take a quick break now because there is one more clip of the great Bob Woodson that I want to play for. I told you he's, he's inspiring. He's really quite a brilliant man, and he has spent his life committed to trying and improve these communities in a completely different way than the left. We'll be right back.
1: love, in.
0: By the way, here's something to think about. Maybe we'll discuss it tomorrow. If a pharmaceutical company, after intense resources and time, comes up with a vaccine for the coronavirus that works, think they should be able to make a good profit? Think they should be able to make a big profit? I'm just curious. Do you think if they can't make a profit that they'd come up with a vaccine? Do you think they'd have the resources to come up with a vaccine? Something to think about, something we can discuss. One more clip of Bob Woodson on life, liberty, and Levin last night. Cut 19, go. And in fact, some of the supporters of this effort have said, slavery is in our DNA, which means you can't get rid of it. It's 16, in 19 our effort. DNA.
3: And you heard this, and you read about this, and you were repulsed by this. It is one of the most diabolical, self-destructive uh, ideas that I've ever heard and what they're doing is rewriting American history and unfortunately they are using the suffering and struggle of black America as the bludgeon to beat America and define America as a criminal organization and, and it's lethal and what they the, and the message that they're saying is all white Americans are oppressors and all black Americans are victims what this does Mark It means that for the black community it's exempting them from any kind of personal responsibility. It's really white supremacy to assume that blacks have no agency. And the basic premise, is, we brought together a group of independent thinkers and activists called 1776. That's the real birth of America. And what what we're organized to do, we're demonstrating that this is a lie, but we're not going to engage in uh, vitriolic debate, what we want to offer through our essays, through our, our scholars that we brought together, we are providing an aspirational and inspirational alternative narrative that presents facts. For instance, 1619 says uh, that the, the current problem faced in black America with 75% of babies are out of wedlock. The, we lost more blacks, kill more blacks in one year, then was lynched by the Klan in 50 years. And they are saying that these uh, present problems are directly related to the legacy of slavery in Jim Crow. Well, in our essays by our scholars, we're providing evidence that that is not true. And in fact, uh, when slavery ended, 75% of all blacks were illiterate. Well, within less than 50 years, that number reduced to 35. In 19, uh, 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 the, the, the literacy rates, black Americans, we started our own schools. The, 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 uh, the education gap between whites and blacks in the South in 1910 was eighth grade for whites, fifth grade for blacks. Booker T. Washington partnered with Julius Rosenwald and Jews and Rosenwald put up about $4 million, the black community put up 4.6, and they built 5,000 Rosenwald schools so that one-third of all low-income blacks attended a Rosenwald school. Well, Mark, between 1920 and 1940, the studies show that that three-year gap was reduced to six months. So if blacks could reduce the, the educational gap between 1920 and 1940, and we had five major high schools, Dunbar, here in Washington, in Atlanta, where the class sizes were 50, we used use textbooks. The budgets of those schools were a small fraction of what the white schools. But every one of those black high schools in the 20s tested higher than any other white school in the city.
0: All right. You can see why this man is, is really remarkable and why he rejects, rejected... The current civil rights movement. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters and emergency personnel, all people who protect us. We want to thank the administration for doing everything it can on the coronavirus and all the experts and doctors and labs out there. Thank you, too. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Be safe. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.